As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Off Air with me, Jane Garvey. And me, Fee Glover. Now, we are fresh from our brand new Times radio show, but we just cannot be contained by two hours of live broadcasting. So we've kept the microphones on, grabbed a cuppa and are ready to say what we really think. It says what they really think. That would be great, wouldn't it? That's an idea for a podcast. Get the management in and just do the debrief. If we could just read their minds, we'd be well away, wouldn't we? <laughs> anyway, we are, it says here, no, we really are, unencumbered and off air. What did you think of day one? It's quite odd, isn't it, Jane? Being uh, women of a certain age, and you know, let's not people of a certain could be a, it could be yeah, either that's gender. So true. Sex, I mean, we shouldn't whatever. milk that too much because we're not that old. But um, we've come to a new place to do a new job, and it's been a while for both of us since we've done that. <laughs> it's quite some time. Uh, yeah, and it, it it does feel new, but I'm already feeling much lighter of heart because it's begun. So Asma Mir, who does the breakfast programme here, uh, she warned us about the, what were they, hard courtaway junctions. And I've had anxiety dreams about that. Yeah. Uh, I think we negotiated our hard courtaway junctions relatively well. It was the other parts of the programme that went completely <laughs> yeah. belly up. But listen, it's the first day. It is. But it's all the furniture of a live radio programme that obviously uh, gets not an awful lot of getting used to. And you just don't want to mess those bits up because then it does slightly throw you for the rest. But we mangled our way through. <laughs> we can only we can only get better. And we probably will. <laughs> There's obviously no guarantee of that. Uh, but it's very right. We had some welcoming emails. We also had a bit of abuse, which is also, you know, how it used to be doing live radio. It's all come back to me. I've very sensibly chosen uh, the little Ted chair. <laughs> so you don't see I, okay. I didn't see all the, the social media stuff coming in. A couple of people took exception to the fact that there'd been a bit of a love-in, which I think perhaps we both felt was, you know, a bit much in terms of our arrival. Well, we're here now. Let's just do the job and everyone can forget about any any kind of a hullabaloo surrounding our arrival. Because trust me, we don't rate ourselves that much, do we? We really don't. I found it rather difficult to essentially perform myself <laughs> for, for people. But yeah, it'd be nice to get just stuck into the job. Yeah. Low expectations has always been our thing. And to be fair, it served us pretty well so far. So we don't want to divert from that at this late stage in the game, do we? Do you think there's any Anything different, uh, being slightly older, in how you approach that first day in a new job, though? So I think there just is, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is, because it might just be down to the experience of life, the fact that, you know, in your 50s, you probably have an awful lot else going on, 
around you. It's not just work that you focus on. Or I don't know what it is, but it is it is different. Did you find it different? It is different. I mean, I think work now has a particular place in our lives that you're right, probably isn't as big a place as it might have been 20 or 30 years ago. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it when you're here because it can be quite good fun. Enormously so. Meeting that many new people as well is quite strange. And learning to time when you have that mug of tea uh, and how you plan your consumption of beverages around your live broadcasting. Yep. So comfort breaks definitely need to be sorted out. Well, you've just got to time the trudge from the studio to the lavatorial facilities. Yeah, but we, you know, I, I did it reasonably well today. So let's, I think I'll just be a bit more careful tomorrow. I very much hope so. I dread to think what would happen if you weren't. Uh, we've got a very simple format for this podcast, haven't we? We yeah. do a little bit of chat. I think we're probably quite wide-eyed with adrenaline at the moment. Uh, so we better not say too much else. We're going to play out the best of the programme, which will probably be the big name guest who's appeared on the programme. And we'd very much welcome your emails. And if you've joined us from the previous ship, uh, we'd welcome emails in exactly the same vein, actually. If you just want us to talk about different things, join in your conversation about different things, uh, we'd really like to hear from you. So it's Jane and Fee at times.radio. Well done, because I was struggling for that. Yeah, Jane and Fee. Uh, <coughs> sorry, I got a sweep from management. And, uh, maybe they're, they're trying to poison me. Uh, Jane and Fee at times.radio. Yes, that's it. Join in. Uh, so we have a couple of emails. So Helen, 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 Helen has sent an email uh, that really strikes fear in my heart. Hello, as a longtime fan, I'm looking forward to your new show and podcast. I've really enjoyed Jane's chemistry with Rihanna Dillon on the Radio Times podcast. I love it. And I was wondering if the radio show could encompass a weekly TV review slot with her. Should I just go and wait outside during that? <laughs> Rihanna will be chuffed though. Um, yeah, she's a very talented young broadcaster. Very talented yeah. young woman altogether. Um, well, we'll certainly bear that in mind. <laughs> Thank you for that one, Helen. Uh, Karen says, I can't tell you how disappointed I was last night hearing that Fortunately was coming to an end until this morning. Thumbing through my times, I find you are now on for twice as long, four times a week. I am so happy. The app is downloaded and I'll be tuning in to cheer you on. Can't wait. Exciting times ahead. Karen, thank you for that. That's a very cheery message. and We're very grateful for your support. And I hope you enjoyed our first attempt today. I mean, it will get slicker. And it will also stay a bit ragged, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I feel that we ought to have a badge we can send out to people like Karen. So far, we don't. We'll raid a budget somewhere. Uh, this one comes from Linda. Hello, I've been listening to you both for quite a long time. I was young or youngish then. I know the feeling, Linda. Uh, I listened to you last week and I could be completely wrong because I often fall asleep before the end these days, but I could have sworn that Jane went on. <laughs> went on. Very hurtful, Linda. <laughs> Jane went on about Nigella's tomato curry and how she'd made it and it wasn't a success. She did, Linda. <laughs> I just stopped for lunch and I was reading the Times as I do every day when suddenly you two pop up in vision, presumably promoting your new show. And Jane answers a question about her favourite recipe. And guess what? It's tomato curry. This time, it's a raging success and it's only a day since it was a complete disaster. What is the truth about Nigella's tomato curry? And good luck to you both with your new show. Now, Linda, uh, you're not alone in, in having noticed that. I didn't feel it was my place to pick Jane up on that, but which is the authentic version well, of the tomato curry or have you made two? I just needed a quick answer to that question about a recipe, so I could only come up with the last thing I cooked, which was the tomato curry. But was it was it bad? It wasn't 
wasn't as good as I'd been hoping. It was edible, like so many of my meals. <laughs> it was edible. And um, it's been, uh, that's a compliment I've actually had to tuck away over the years that people have said them. <laughs> They've literally come round to my house and said, well, that was edible. Thanks for inviting me. No, nobody um, has ever said that. Well, some of the people I know have. Um, so, yes, I, 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 you, Linda's quite right to pick me up on it. Um, it was an inconsistency. I mean, some would say it was a flat out lie. Look, this is show business. <laughs> OK, and sometimes these things slip through and people like Linda are simply too astute. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Show business just takes no prisoners with the truth. So I think you should do, in time for Christmas, a whole new cookery book that's called Jane Garvey's Edibles. <laughs> well, what could go wrong with that? I mean, I think maybe we should have suggested it to Jamie Oliver. I could have given him something. <laughs> no, I mean, I spend a lot of time cooking for vegetarians and vegans and I, I just seem to, on a loop, just make lentil bolognese because you can disguise it as any number of different things. Stick a chilli in, it's chilli. Um, stick it in a cottage pie, it's mince. And then make a soup as well. I mean, it's all, all these things are possible. You look absolutely enchanted. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I sympathise. I think I think that is one of the hardest things is to have something that has a, a different consistency when you're cooking for the vegetarians or the vegans. I don't want to be rude about your vegetarian cooking because I believe it's, it's very nice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Off Air with Jane and Fee, with me, Jane Garvey. And me, Fee Glover. Now, if you missed our Times radio show today, you won't have heard our conversation with the chef and campaigner, Jamie Oliver. He joined us from the Cheltenham Literature Festival to talk about his latest cookbook, One Pot, 
But which pot change? Well, it's not the only question we wanted to ask him, given the current cost of living crisis, his recent Eaton Mess campaign to stop the government U-turning on healthy eating for children, and, of course, whether or not he could ever be considered a member of the anti-growth coalition. Morning, afternoon. Afternoon. No, You've done so many interviews, you don't know. I was listening you to your are. show, kind of engrossed in what I'm going to talk about. That's, that's very kind of you, Jamie. So the idea behind one, I mean, I almost feel a fool for asking you to explain it because it's a kind of self-explanatory title. But you tell us in your own words. Oh, it's pretty simple. I mean, I tried to uh, look at the way that people are... Shopping, consuming, living, um, the things they're juggling and try and write my most user-friendly cookbook. So ultimately it's one, mainly not just because of the one cooking vessel, a pan, but um, our hatred of washing up, um, keeping the ingredients low, you know, sort of quick preparations uh, and just trying really to create a cookbook that's relevant to now. And contrary to what maybe lots of people think, uh, things change quite a lot quite quickly. So um, the way we're shopping and living has really changed as well since it's since COVID. So I'm just trying to stay useful, I yeah. guess, is, is the way I'm trying to do it. Would you agree that there's something just really weird going on in the world of food at the moment where there's an enormous gap between the kind of the, the top, which is the Instagrammable food with the gold leaf and maybe even the kimchi and the kombucha and the 75 thousand pound burgers or whatever it is and then the real real hard need to understand how you can make a shopping basket last a whole week to feed a family yeah for sure i mean i think in any trade whether it's art or music there's, there's always extremes and and to a degree social media allows that to sort of search and, and track more but and, and people follow people for different reasons of course but ultimately we are animals of habit. Our basket doesn't really change much, about 4% every week. Um, we pretty much buy the same thing this week as we did a month ago and the month before that. So um, what we say and what we do are very different things. And the only truth actually in the whole food industry is basket data. So in a weird sort of way, for me, when I'm writing this kind of book, because you know, obviously different books do different things, but um, I tried to write recipes that had the ingredients that you normally buy most of the time anyway. So I'm just trying to constantly take away reasons to not cook and just pick up the phone and get a takeaway. Mm. So you'll know all of the criticism that has been thrown at you in the past. Did you feel that when Liz Truss made that comment at the Tory party conference, she was taking a direct pop at you with the buy one, get one freeze? Not really, no. I think I think the newspaper decided to put me in there to make it a little bit more of a conversation piece. But I think um, I think Liz's strategy is to sort of take away, you know, anything that you know involves uh, look, when you're trying to progress public health and and look at the masses and try and as they were called level up. Uh, it involves lots of different specific things that might help people and it involves having to fight the food industry and lobbyists so I think she doesn't want any stress of that at the moment because that's like too much work that's pretty much why it was brought up but I mean look I've been doing it a long time so I'm kind of used to you know, I think it's the seventh prime minister that I've worked through 13th head of education so it, it, I think I have to take a long view at it and she didn't me mention me specifically but you know for, for myself and a lot of the um, I guess charities and NGOs that fight for public health you know we we stand together always but um, it's a funny time right now and um, obviously you have to react to 
what is relevant and useful now and certainly that's cost of living and the cost of ingredients and and for sure cooking can definitely help you if you can cook and if you have access to cook mm. um so you know never in my career have we ever um I've, I've always costed recipes for the last maybe 10 years just to make sure the books are roughly within the sort of you know a mixture of all the prices that look normal but now we're costing energy 12 pence for this 10 pence for that five pence for that so um i never thought i'd ever be doing that so that's just a, a showing of the times i yeah. guess is there ever an argument though jamie for just pressing pause on something uh, like the buy one get one free which i know is, is uh, you're only critical of that when it's unhealthy food but yeah. if you are a mum or a dad who who is really really struggling to make ends meet you want to buy something that your kids are just going to eat. You haven't got yeah. the luxury of trying to get them to eat broccoli three times or whatever it is. You just need them to have a full stomach, don't you? So if you're talking about just putting these things off while we get through a crisis point... Very very possibly. It was never... A, both the press and, and, and the, uh, the businesses didn't like that one, even though the science and the data proved that they made you spend more, eat more and waste more. But all I would say to you is, do you want to have a pizza for 60 pence or two for £1.50? That's, it's a mechanic. So, for, for, look, it's not, it's not me that's inventing. It's a, it's a very specific mechanic that people don't want to understand. <laughs> so what people want is cheaper food, not cheaper deals, making you want to... That's the point of it. So, I mean, look, so much so that the biggest supermarket in the country, Tesco, haven't been doing this mechanic for quite some time now. And, and as they represent the people, that's probably because they have it in the interest of the people to have better prices on the whole, not sort of specific mechanics that are being shown to lead people the wrong direction and make them ultimately less healthy, less well-off and um, waste more. So I think it's just something that the media has struggled to articulate because it's not a one-liner. Do you think, Jamie, that in order to improve public health, uh, someone, and the Prime Minister has said she is prepared to be unpopular, but she doesn't want to be unpopular on this front, someone has got to say uncomfortable things about the way perhaps too many of us eat, what we eat, the amount we eat. And that's kind um, of what you've been trying to do, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, I think like, for myself personally, when I did school dinners campaign... Yeah. Um, you cannot do that job properly and not be emotionally moved by the free school lunch kids and what that represents. And um, currently there are 800,000 kids in this country between the free school lunch kids and universal credit. So just to give you some context on that, to get a free school lunch in Britain today, your family has to earn per household just over less than seven grand, right? Annually. That's all. Yeah. So that's how hard up they are. That's how vulnerable they are. And there's an 800,000 kid, child gap between that and universal credit. And, and we've known for a long time and been talking about and can campaigning for a long time, I'm talking about five years since its creation, um, that this is an unfair gap. And, and, and I guess if, if, if you spoke to any teacher or any uh, lunch lady or manager, this is where you're starting to hear narrative now about kids coming to school starving. It's always happened in, in pockets and for any democracy that any of us could respect, like we always want to catch the most vulnerable. So free lunches do that, but it's not enough. It's not wide enough. And, and, and certainly now more than ever with everything that's going on, that's what we're campaigning so for currently. There is no question in your mind that some people need proper, clear messages about how to cook and what to cook. Well, look, if we're talking about truth in food, this is something that's... Look, the biggest, the biggest f industry on the planet is food. 
it's 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 pretty tough out there. The con, you know, just getting truth, you know, whether it's you know, we haven't we haven't even agreed on colour coded front of pack labelling to help busy parents yet. Why? Because they don't want you to know. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at, I mean, if you, I mean, even if you look at, say, the sugary drinks tax, you know. The company's made more money by reformulating. It's the biggest sugar reformulation ever in global history. And what it did was not just get them to reformulate their products, but widen their portfolio, which in turn gave the public more choice, which in turn made their businesses more sustainable, which in turn made them more profitable. So it, this, this narrative that doing good is not good business is actually incorrect. And for what I can gather, wrong. So what we need to do as a nation and as a government is make sure the people that are geeky and clever and care about public health and communications and labeling and truth and and, and ingredients and things that should be banned because they're toxic uh, from pesticides to additives you know you want that to happen you want your child to be in the presence of that nation what you don't want is a passive uh, uh, government that keep rattling on about nanny states when kids need a good nanny in their life. And, and when you go up in an aeroplane and you're up there at 36,000 feet, you want regulations and controls in place to make sure the rivets don't pop and you don't fall out the sky. And it's exactly the same with the three meals you have a day. So Jamie Oliver is our guest live from the Cheltenham Literary Festival this afternoon. Thank you for answering all our political questions, Jamie. I think you're both welcome. Jane and I can hear in your voice a sense of real fed-upness. Uh, I don't know whether yeah. that's a technical term. Well, look, it's, it's, it's just... It's just... Um, is it Cheltenham? I have ha- is that I've it? Had the, I'm at Cheltenham doing the Literary Festival. I haven't been here for about a decade. It's all very lovely down here. Um, and I've done my, uh, my gig. And, and, um, and look, like from one side, I'm my, part of my job is jazz hands and cooking and chop and chat shows. And, but the, I think over the... You know, I, I, the way I look at my job is I work for the public. And, you know, buying a cookbook, which is essentially my living, it's not a like, it's not a view. It's like a proper vote. You even have to pay for it. And... That responsibility of of talk, my I mean, a lot of the things I've campaigned for over the years isn't things that I've necessarily come up with or even driven. It's the public that have asked me to talk about the things that they're worried about and they care about. So it's an incredible ball and chain that I have to wear. Um, and I do take it seriously. I love it. And it sort of is the best and worst thing that I do. But not yet have we ever seen a government that has put child health. When have you ever seen a government put child health first on any election? And um, so for me, I'm just one of many charities and NGOs around the country that spend hours every week looking at public health data and spend hours looking at how, um, you know, working with, you know, people like Trust with Trust and and food banks and, and, and looking at what do people need and how bad is bad. So I think we're all quite aware by now that things are quite bad, but you do want a government that that, that takes this thing seriously. Shall we do some of the jazz hand stuff? It's jazz out, away. Uh, it's turned out to be quite a bright, sunshiny day uh, here in London town, but it was very gloomy this morning, Jamie. Yes, it was. And I was flicking through your recipe book and I came upon Pick Me Up Chili Fried Eggs, uh, which I can make according <laughs> to you. you. That's the only hangover cure that I wrote <laughs> in the book. <laughs> and I, you've been magnetised to I it. do not have a hangover. <laughs> this is our first day on the job. Don't be so uh, mean. I don't. Yeah, but it, it, it genuinely was the hangover cure. That's why I wrote that recipe. But um, yeah, yes. go for it. Okay. Do you still like cooking? So when you oh wake up God, on yeah. a miserable Monday morning, isn't there a bit of you that just, <laughs> that just thinks I'll deliver you tonight? I don't want to have rare. to cook. Very rare. Uh, hardly ever. And I, I just think, look, it's, it, it's the one thing that is like, has given me a living. It's my safe place. I use it to, Im- 
to invigorate me. I use it to cuddle, you know, to food to cuddle me. I use it for therapy. I think food can be anything you want it to be. And it's your choice to make sure you use it in the right way to suit you and your life. And I love it. I, I've traveled the world and seen, you know, similar like similar families with similar jobs but reacting and living in completely different ways with food and especially now you know when we're talking about cost of living and stuff like that it's like i've got so many years behind me where i've i've seen similar cha- challenges in different countries and seen how food can really help and lift and even even on tight budgets so i mean i guess the reality, I mean, for, for a lot of people now, we don't learn to cook at home so much uh, or at school. So, um, you know, it makes my job quite a strange one. But ultimately, I think cooking is incredible mm. life skill and superpower. How old are you now, Jamie Oliver? Oh, you bless you for that. 47, thank you very 47. much. 47, you're looking, you're looking <laughs> good on it. Uh, thank you. If you were to go back and do it all over again, are there yes. bits of it you'd do differently? God. I mean, I, I, th- I think no. It's, it's been an extraordinary honour and privilege to surf this world in the public eye. I think like the best stuff has been the hardest stuff and the most painful stuff. And I think, dare I say it, um, and, and, I've, and I've really been on a j- personal journey, you know, trying to put meat, meat around the bones of what I was back then, um, coming out of school and the sort of experiences that I had at school. Um, which, where I struggled quite a lot and um, having worked with thousands and thousands of people in teams, I just feel like I'm getting, I'm, I'm you know, feeling quite rounded at the moment just as a person and as, as an employer and feel like I've got a good 10 years to give before I'm knackered. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> 10. I, I feel like, it, you know, I do, I do. And there's good work to be done and, you know, um, you know, it is all part of the same noise. I mean, I, I use TV and publishing as a lever and a tactic to try and empower people to buy stuff, do stuff to it and create beautiful meals and hopefully memories. Um, but as from our earlier conversation, like people forget that the biggest business on the planet, bigger than arms, bigger than oil, bigger than city trading is food. And therefore, why should we not presume that there's many, many powers out there trying to you know empower market you into living a certain way and 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 you know i think that's where where it gets really interesting so it's quite a a big job remit (laughs) but i love it i I still love it and and um and i'm still trying to make myself learn new things yeah there is a i mean i take what fee was saying earlier about you jamie and that you do sound you sound a bit worn out but you also can't resist getting a little bit political particularly about the food industry because I, look, I think when you ask a question yeah. I'll go yeah. and, and and you can have whichever flavor Jamie you want um, but the but but it's the it's the profoundly consistent incompetence by government to bake in public health that makes all kids especially the most vulnerable do better at school you know be more empowered when they leave school live healthier more productive lives and and um, and what they're talking about now, which we've been working on for years, which is kind of levelling up, you know. So I think what's really interesting is, um, you know, when you're talking about British productivity, that that isn't just a, a kind of business conversation. There's a the health the health conversation, having a more productive Britain, a healthier Britain, a Britain that costs the NHS less and allows us to be more creative. And you know, you can talk to you know. I've had conversations with like the most senior econ- economist in the country and, and you say is 
British child health part of Britain as a country, GDP and, and profitability? And, and, and the answer is a massive yes. That was Jamie Oliver talking to us from Cheltenham about his book One Pot, which is available now. What did you make of what he had to say, Jane? I really felt for him during that interview. I felt he was quite emotional and frustrated, actually. Yeah, he was frustrated. He didn't look like a man who... Well, he wasn't his usual TV-facing buoyant self, was he? No, not at all. Oh, I it, but I felt I thought it was very interesting when he just talked about the number of governments who he has campaigned... Yeah, how many education secretaries did he say he'd work with? Well, I think astonishing. Seven. Yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Where he has uh, tried to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, and I, I defy you not to have heard the frustration in his voice about it. And I suppose maybe it is just quite a difficult gear change to then make in an interview to go into. Yeah, I'll talk about my chili fried rice, which looked like a very lovely recipe. He didn't really talk about. He it, didn't did want he? to go there. No, no. He also, I thought it was very interesting. He referred to his TV shows as chat and chop. Chat and Chop, which is not a way I've ever thought about television cookery shows, but now that's the only way I'll ever think of them. And he just sort of said it in a way that suggested that he'd been there and done it and felt slightly bored of that as well. I don't, I don't know. Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps we're reading too much into this. Well, we might be. And he might just have had a very long day doing back-to-back uh, -back interviews. It's, it's a biggie, the Cheltenham yeah. Festival. But it? also, I think the point to remember, uh, you've done loads of these, I know. I think it's incredibly difficult to do an interview about a cookery book. It's always going to be about the person who's written the book or something else yeah. to do with food because... I mean, I defy anybody to come up with 12 really fascinating, in-depth questions. About recipes. About recipes. No, and there is, I have done it, and there is nothing worse, I'm afraid, than actual cooking on the radio. It never works. It's utterly ridiculous. People get incredibly frustrated. And I don't think the listener, I'm going to say, I'm going to put it out there, I don't think the listener gets a lot out of it, no. I, I would really agree don't. with you there. Yeah. The sound of onions frazzling no, in Studio That is as good as it gets. Yep. Does yep. not improve from there. No. Well, it's the one sense, isn't it, that has really very little involvement in food. Hearing. Hearing, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. I know it might be important and people might write in and say, if you know, if you can't hear the spit of the fat, I'm your food interested. won't taste as good. But I'm not sure that it's really in there at number one, isn't no, it? it so, look, it was lovely to talk to him. And, you know, I hope that we allowed him to say what he wanted to say about food in this country at the moment. And he is right on one thing. And that has been the same through all of those successive governments. This country has not tackled childhood obesity. Just a simple fact. You know, we it are one of the it hasn't worst done anything about world. obesity, full stop. And, then no. right. um, and I think it is partly because no government wants to be seen as interfering in the private lives of citizens. And um, I kind of get it. We are, we, it, it is a relatively free country. We are free to make our own choices. Some people have cho their lack of choices forced upon them by a lack of income and a lack of opportunity, I guess. But I, I think it would probably say even more reason to give them help about how to eat better and healthier and possibly cheaper. But it's, even as I say that, I sound like a patronising old moo. So you've got to be very careful. So I understand the difficult path he treads, actually. And poor guy, he did seem to be up against it today. Perhaps we're underestimating the impact of being interviewed by us as well. Maybe that, maybe that, was, a, maybe that was a factor. Who knows? <laughs> you 
have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. The producer is Rosie Cutler and the executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times Radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you like what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this, but live. Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 to 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts. Calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com